Hello, and welcome to the Word Experience Podcast, where the Word of God is experienced in a fresh new way. Prepare yourself to hear God's Word talk with simplicity and understanding. And now, here's your host, Cliff Goldberg. Um, what's going on, good people? Word Experience Nation. Welcome to the Word Experience Podcast, where we experience the Word in a fresh new way. I am your host, Cliff Goldberg. Uh, man, yeah, we got a good one for you today. We got a good one. We got a good one for you today. All right, so let's rock this thing out. Start it off with a word of prayer. Father, we thank you so much for uh, just being the awesome God in our lives that you are. We thank you, God, for the opportunity to hear your word. We thank you for the opportunity to feed your word. I thank you for the opportunity to share your word with your people. And uh, we're just excited about what's about to go forward here today. God, we just declare that no weapon formed against this time shall prosper. We declare, God, that your will will be done during this time. We declare every ear is open to hear and every heart is anointed and open to receive the word and the word behind the word. Do your thing through me, God, into the lives of your people. We declare no no demonic force or plans or plots from the enemy shall be successful during this time and that your will will be done in the lives of your people. For those who are driving, I declare, God, that they be safe from all hurt, harm, or danger as they listen to this podcast. And everywhere else, God, and everyone else as they listen, just be God and let this word have impact in their lives by your Holy Spirit. We thank you. We praise you. We honor you. We declare these things to be so by faith. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. All right. All right. Um you know, uh, as you guys have listened, you know, we're going into year number two with the Word Experience podcast. This is very cool. Uh, I was checking um, my statistics and numbers and people, you know, listening in. Had somebody listen in from, from Thailand uh, this week. So that's pretty cool, man, that the Word is going out and it's going out worldwide. And so I'm excited about that. Uh, you guys know I really try to keep... Uh, the time, you know, whether it's day or night, what time of the year it is and all those things. I try to keep those things out of the podcast because, you know, people may listen to this thing three years from now and the time reference doesn't really matter, right? So I try to keep things as as uh, modulistic as possible where it doesn't matter what time you watch it or listen to it, rather. It doesn't matter. Uh, but we are in the middle of a pandemic and uh, this virus uh, that is spread across the world, and a lot of adjustments have been made uh, to help stem the, the uh, spreading of the virus. And, um, you know, a lot of people have a lot of things going on. Some people have no things going on. I was just having a conversation, a conference call with my brothers uh, right before I, I started recording this podcast today. And we were just talking about the economic impact that's being had on the nation and the world because people have been sent home. People are scared. People are frustrated. Um, People wonder where God is. Uh, But on the flip side, there are a lot of people who are sending out encouraging messages and, and, and words of encouragement. There are a lot of ministers across the country and across the world who are going online and sharing the word. Uh, with people, uh, and you can access folks on YouTube, and folk are doing Instagram parties and Instagram sermons and all kinds of amazing things. And so, 
I want to just add my voice to the many voices that are out there. And uh, hopefully this will be a blessing to you. I was thinking about how things were going on over the past couple of weeks. And uh, what came to my mind was, and I, I got a little I got a little bothered. I got a little bothered. I got to be honest. Uh, because there is this unwritten or unspoken mindset that exists in the body of Christ. And maybe outside the body of Christ too when we when people look at Christians from the outside. But there's this certain unspoken thing that because you're a Christian or once you become a Christian that everything should work out or you should have no problems. Uh, we have this phrase, everything's going to be all right. right. And so when trouble comes, a lot of people, not everyone, but many people get frustrated at God because trouble came into their life. As if trouble was supposed to avoid your house because now you're in a relationship with God. And um, there is some truth to certain troubles that can be avoided. I know a lot of people have been talking about Psalms 91, which is an awesome, awesome scripture of protection. And and uh, I believe in that. I've taught on that. Uh, some weeks ago, I taught on that in my Sunday school class. And so, so there, there is some things about God's protection. But at the same time, uh, you know, protection doesn't mean that trouble won't come to your house. Maybe death won't come to your house. Maybe destruction won't come to your house. But that doesn't mean trouble won't come to your house. That doesn't mean you won't come into the house one day and, and all the kids are crying and, you know, the other parent is frustrated. And, and something happened at school that day, or you got a flat tire in the middle of the, the freeway, or maybe there's some type of illness that hit your body, trouble comes. Whether you're a believer or a non-believer, trouble comes. And so I titled today's message, The Inevitability of Trouble. The Inevitability of Trouble. See, because when something comes and it's expected, you can at least handle it or prepare for it because you know it's coming. When you don't expect it and it shows up, it's almost like in football there's a, there's a phrase called being blindsided, which means you get hit um, by a person and you didn't see them coming. And a blindside hit is more devastating than one that you can see coming, right? And so if you're living a life and you don't expect trouble to come, you can get blindsided by trouble knocked off your game and then wonder well, where was God or I shouldn't be going through this. You know, I pray, I tithe, uh, I, I worship, I go to this church, I go to, I do this, I, I do things for the homeless. I, I, why is trouble coming to my house? Trouble comes to everybody's house. And we need to understand that in any given moment, trouble can hit your house. But God is still God and God is still with us and God is still for us and God has not left you just because you're experiencing some trouble. So we're going to talk about the inevitability of trouble today. I got a bunch of scriptures and I just want to bombard you guys' mind with these scriptures so you can have the weapons of your warfare needed when trouble comes that you know how to deal with it, you know how to handle it. And more importantly, you see it from the proper perspective. You see trouble from the proper perspective. So let's get into this. So I got two words in the statement of the title of today's message, inevitability and trouble. 
All right. So I've got a couple of de definitions of those words. Inevitable. A synonym or another word for inevitable. Unavoidable. Expected. Unescapable. Okay. Unavoidable. Expected. Unescapable. I was sharing with my sweetheart the title of the message and I got to an inevitability and I was saying it fine until I started telling her and I'm stumbling all over it, right? But now I got it. I'm, I'm on it now. The inevitability. To be inevitable is to be unavoidable, expected, unescapable. Now, when we talk about trouble, right, definitions or synonyms or another word for trouble, we have distress, affliction, adversity, anguish, tribulation, okay? Distress, affliction, adversity, anguish, tribulation. So if you want to mix and match some of these synonyms, we could call this the unavoidability of distress or the expectancy of, of affliction or the unescapableness of adversity, right? Or, you know, adversity is unavoidable. We could flip it around all kinds of different ways. Tribulation should be expected, right? Anguish is unescapable, okay? These things come in our life. Why? Because it's just life. Sometimes it's the devil. Sometimes it's your bad choices. Sometimes it's just life. You know, um, a few weeks ago, uh, I had my car parked out on the street. And, you know, 11 o'clock at night, a young man's driving down the street. Axel broke on his car, on his tire. He lost control of the car, slammed into my car. It's just life. I had to deal with that. And, you know, God is still God. I didn't have to come out of pocket for anything. And God is still awesome, right? Use me in that situation to be a source of calm because the young man was freaking out and the guy that owned the car and da-da-da-da-da. And God used me to be an agent of calmness and, and refocus the young man on what he had to do. Now, am I happy that my car got hit? No, I love my car. But sometimes life happens, you know, and you just have to deal with it. All right. So the inevitability, the unavoidable, unexpected, unescapableness <laughs> of trouble. This is why I don't play uh, uh, that one game Scrabble. This is why I don't play Scrabble. I can't get all these words in. All right. The inevitability of trouble. All right. Here we go. Now, in various places in the Old Testament, there's this phrase, in the day of trouble, right? Uh, I, I didn't go to any of the scriptures because I got a lot of scriptures. This may end up being a two-part thing. I'm not sure. Uh, but it was a lot of scriptures. And either in the beginning, in the middle, or the end, they had this phrase, in the day of trouble, right? So everybody, now, and when they say day, they didn't mean like Wednesday. They just meant a time period, right? In the day of trouble or during the time period of trouble or in a season of trouble. Some people have trouble, man. That season can last for years, okay? But in the day of trouble, so, so the fact that there is a day of trouble, it implies that everybody's going to have at least one <laughs> day of trouble, okay? So in the day of trouble, there's some things that, you know, we need to be aware of, all right? So now let's go to our first scripture. Let's go to 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 3, 
verse 1. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. And this is trouble that Paul prophesies and speaks about to his young protege, Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. <clears throat> he says, But know this, that in the last days perilous times will come. In the last days perilous times will come. Now, I like the fact that Paul uses these definitive words, right? He says, know this. Don't guess it. Don't suppose it. It might happen. It might not. No, he says, know this. In the last days, perilous times will come. Not that they might come. Not that they could come. Perilous times will come. Now, the Amplified translation of this scripture says, but understand this, that in the last days will come, set in, perilous times of great stress and trouble, hard to deal with and hard to bear. bear. He says, in the last days, perilous times of great stress and trouble will come. And he says, that trouble will be hard to deal with and hard to bear. In the last days, and, and, and any, anybody that's anybody will tell you we're in the last of the last of the last days. And so we see, you know, you don't need a scripture to see that we're dealing with trouble that's hard to deal with and hard to bear. Some of the things that we see on the news, hard to deal with, hard to bear. Things that we see, things that we're dealing with every day bring great stress into the lives of many people. That's the time that we're in right now. Now, does that mean I'm supposed to be stressed because it's a time of stress? No, no, not as believers, not as those who have a relationship with God, okay? And, um, you know, there have been, I've done some podcasts on faith. I've done some podcasts on trusting God, you know, pull those things up listen to them, feed on them, meditate on those things. Um, and that revelation, I think, will help you get through a lot of this stuff. All right? Okay, so trouble is prophesied. So we're going to stay in 2 Timothy chapter 3. We're going to go down to verse 12. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12. Just in case you think that just because you're a Christian, you're going to be uh, excused from trouble. Uh, 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 thing again. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12 says, Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. All who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Now, it's not persecution like the, the first church, the early church experience, thrown to the lions and cut their heads cut off. Although in some parts of the world, Beheadings and hangings, because you're a Christian, still do exist, my understanding is. Um, so in some places, that, that that is the form of persecution that they're suffering. For many of us, we get talked about on social media. You know, maybe our favorite pastor gets dogged out uh, by some trolls on social media. Maybe at your job, you know, they look down on you because you're a believer. Maybe they don't let you into the club because you're a believer, you know. Um, because you you stand for the, the the name of the Lord, okay, okay. That's that's just part of the package. 
people who don't understand who we are, people who don't understand who Jesus is and what he did, people who really don't have an understanding of who God is, they may, they may look at you sideways. They may give you snide looks. They may talk about you, right? They may not. They may make things harder on you at work or whatever than, than it should be. That kind of comes with the package, comes with the territory. Because what we gain, uh, uh, <laughs> I think Paul in 2 Corinthians called it a light affliction. This light affliction that we're dealing with doesn't even compare to the glory that's going to be revealed in us. Okay? And he went through a bunch of stuff. All right? We're going to look at some of the things that he, he documented for his own life. So, you know, these light afflictions compared to the glory, compared to awesome times of prayer, compared to the revelation that's given by the Holy Spirit, compared to the indwelling of the Holy Spirit that the Spirit of God lives in me, compared to the ability to have the faith to speak to my own body and it gets healed, persecution on that level doesn't even compare, man. Doesn't even compare. I think sometimes we just pay too much attention to what people say. We pay too much attention to the opinions of people. And I say we because I'm in it sometimes myself. All right. But I think we just spend too much time giving weight to people's opinion, especially people who don't even know me. They don't even know you. And you're giving them all this weight. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. You're giving yourself weight adding stress to what may already be a stressful time that you're in right now. And especially during this time where, you know, uh, people are being self-quarantined and shelter in place and all of these things and folks are cooped up in the house and you can't get out, you can't do all the things, you got stress, and then you're going to spend time reading the opinions of people who don't even know you. You're going to spend time reading a whole bunch of negative comments. This is not the time for that. This is not the time for that. But just know, if you want to live godly, there's going to be a persecution aspect of your lifestyle. All right? The message translation of 2 Timothy 3 and 12 says, anyone who wants to live all out for Christ is in for a lot of trouble. <laughs> anyone who wants to live all out for Christ is in for a lot of trouble. There's going to be opposition. There's going to be, well, what's the word? Adversity. There's going to be distress. There's going to be anguish, but it's all good. It's all good, and we're going to get to that. We're going to get to why it's all good a little later. Another translation, this is uh, the Phillips translation of 2 Timothy 3 and 12. says, persecution is inevitable for those who are determined to live really Christian lives. Persecution is inevitable for those who are determined to live really Christian lives. Uh, you might be a young person and you you know on fire and living for God and made a determination not to have sex before marriage and 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 you're on it and you got you know you got support maybe at your church and your youth group or your young adult group but man you go out to school and on campus and they find out that you're celibate or you're being abstinent from sex because you're a Christian oh man anybody from 14 to my age. <laughs> They hear about that and they just give you all kind of grief, you know, but you got to stand your ground. You got to stand your ground because God's going to honor the commitment you made to not get involved in that activity until you put a ring on it or a ring is put on it. Ladies, a ring is put on it. All right. All right. 
Uh, that wasn't in my notes, so that was for somebody. Don't know for who, but that was for somebody. All right, persecution is inevitable for those who are determined to live really Christian lives. All right, but now this next section now, I call it, but when trouble comes, don't trip. When trouble comes, don't get overly excited. Don't get overly stressed out. It's just trouble. You knew it was coming. It's inevitable. So now we got to deal with it. The first thing we want to do is we want to look at trouble from a godly perspective, see what God says about trouble, see what the writers say about how God operates in a time of trouble, in that day of trouble that we talked about earlier. So we're going to look at a few scriptures from Proverbs and from Psalms and, and uh, well, just this one scripture from Proverbs regarding when trouble comes, don't trip. Proverbs 3, verse 25. Proverbs 3, verse 25. So when trouble comes, man, don't trip. It's, you know, it, it may be upsetting. It may be irritating. I'm not saying be emotionless. We got emotions. Trouble comes, we can get depressed. Trouble comes, we can get frustrated. Trouble comes, we can get angry. Trouble comes, we can get stressed out. But just, just don't stay there. Don't stay there. If you, if you didn't see trouble coming and it got caught you off guard and you got a little fired up or you got depressed or, you know, you had a rough day, okay, but don't stay there. You know, there have been big transitions and adjustments that companies have had to make. I had to make a huge adjustment at my day job. We went from traditional classroom teaching to online teaching and we didn't have the infrastructure to do it. And in three days, we had to be, have that thing down and be up and running and ready to go, right? It was a stressful time because trouble came, right? But, you you know, you, you go into your prayer closet, you go into your secret place, you get yourself together, you, you go back to those scriptures, those things that you know to do. You spend time in prayer. Maybe you seek God for wisdom and perspective. You, you hook up with your other godly friends and let those people encourage you. Don't stay in that place of depression. Don't stay in that place of stress just because everybody else is stressed out. Don't do that. We have a relationship with Almighty God with heavenly access, access to heavenly resources. We don't have to stay in the place of depression. We don't have to stay in the place of frustration. We don't have to. Now, you can, but you don't have to. All right? So Proverbs 3 verse 25 says, Do not be afraid of sudden terror nor of trouble from the wicked when it comes. For the Lord will be your confidence and will keep your foot from being caught. I'm going to read that again. Do not be afraid of sudden terror, nor of trouble from the wicked when it comes. For the Lord will be your confidence and will keep your foot from being caught. So when trouble comes... Or the, 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 uh, the sense of trouble or the warning of trouble comes. You don't have to be afraid of what's coming. You don't have to be afraid of what suddenly shows up. You don't have to be. You don't have to be. You can, but you don't have to be. Why? Because the Lord is our confidence. And the Lord will keep our feet from being caught up in the snare, the trap, of whatever that sudden terror is, the Lord is my confidence, not me, 
Not my resources, not my paycheck, not my ability to find toilet paper, not my ability to get the hookup at Costco. The Lord is my confidence. And if he should use those earthly resources to keep my foot from being caught, all right, cool. But I'm not going to be afraid of what's coming because I trust in God. God is my confidence. My confidence is in God. All right. I want to read the message translation from Proverbs 3.25. He says, no need to panic over alarms or surprises or predictions that doomsday is just around the corner. Boy, that sounds familiar right about now. I'm going to read that again. No need to panic over alarms or surprises or predictions that doomsday is just around the corner. Because God will be right there with you. He'll keep you safe and sound. I don't need to panic over trouble because God is right with me in the trouble. It's like we've, we've heard that the story of the three Hebrew boys in the fiery furnace and, 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 the, and the, the, the spirit of God, some people say it was, it was a form of Jesus, was right there in the fire with them. The fourth one was in the fire with them. So there's need, no need for you to panic in the fire. There's no need for you to panic in the alarm. There's no need to panic in the surprise that comes. There's no need to panic because everybody else says you should panic. Because God is right there with you. And God will keep you safe. And God will keep you sound. I'll add this, if you trust him. If you trust him, lean on him, rely on him. He can't keep anybody safe who won't trust him. It's not that God doesn't God doesn't want to keep you safe, but you've got to trust him and act and and move and maneuver in a way that he leads you to act and move maneuver move and maneuver in. I got an ability right, but I didn't get move and maneuver right. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna read that one more time. No need to panic over alarms or surprises, or predictions that doomsday is just around the corner. Because God will be right there with you. He'll keep you safe and sound. All right. Now, I'm going to segue that into this next section that I call God's assurances in trouble. God's assurances. God has made assurances through his word when we're in trouble. Whether trouble comes by circumstances or whether trouble comes by people. Okay. God has made certain assurances about who he is in that day of trouble. So let's start with Psalms 3, verses 1 through 4. Psalms 3, verses 1 through 4. Man, I love this. I love David. I love Solomon. Man, those guys wrote stuff that we can still feed on today to get us through our difficult circumstances. All right. Psalms 3, 1 through 4. Verse 1 says, Lord, how they have increased who trouble me. Many are they who rise up against me. Many are they who say of me, there is no hope for him in God. Verse 3, but you, O Lord, are a shield for me, my glory and the one who lifts up my head. I cried to the Lord with my voice and he heard me from his holy hill. All right, I want to read this from Passion Translation. This is so awesome. 
He says, but in the depths of my heart, I truly know that you, Yahweh, have become my shield. This is verse 3 and 4. You take me and surround me with yourself. Wow. Your glory covers me continually. You lift high my head when I bow low in shame. I have cried out to you, Yahweh, from your holy presence, and you send me a father's help. I tell you, man, I got an awesome dad, and there is no help like a father's help. If I call my dad and I'm in trouble, even today at 56 years old, if I call my dad and I'm in trouble, he will send me a father's help. My God. And God is so much greater than my father. God is father. I think in, in, in one of the, uh, the sermons that Jesus gave, he said, if you being evil know how to give good things to your children, how much more will God the father give good things to his children? God, when we are in trouble, will send a father's help. Man, and those of you who are fathers, you know, if your kid is in trouble, and they call or they're crying and you hear that cry that's specific to your child, you're going to send a father's help. You're going you're gonna, to you're bring a father's help to that situation. So how much more will God, our father, bring help to us when we are in trouble, when we cry out to him? Man, that's nice. He says, you take me and you surround me with yourself, not angels yourself. That's awesome, man. It's awesome. All right, let's move on. I'm, I got I got a lot of stuff I got to hit. Man, I just, oh, this is so good. I might listen to this a couple of times myself in the day of trouble. <laughs> All right, let's look at Psalms 9 verses 9 through 10. Psalms 9 verses 9 through 10. Psalms 9 verses 9 through 10. Psalms 9 verse 9 says, The Lord also will be a refuge for the oppressed. A refuge, watch this, in times of trouble. And those who know your name will put their trust in you. For you, Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. Right? There are many people who will end up being forsaken. But it's not because of God. It's because they didn't seek him. It's not because of, of God. It's because they don't know God's name. Meaning now, they don't really understand who God is. But those of us who understand who God is, those of us who have walked with him for a certain amount of time, those of us who have learned through experiences of victory and experiences of failure, those of us who know who he is, we will put our trust in him in the time of trouble. And we will allow God to be our refuge. In Psalms 91, he says, He is our refuge. He is our fortress. He is our God in whom we trust. One scripture says, Some put their trust in horses and chariots, but I put my trust in the name of the Lord. That's, that's what we do in times of trouble. We understand that God will be a refuge for us if we're oppressed that he will be a refuge for us in a time of trouble. And so because we know him, we're going to put our trust in him because we know that when we seek him, he's not going to forsake us. 
the one scripture says, I've never, what, what, what did David say? I think it's Psalms 34. I, I'm, I've been young and now I'm old and I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging for bread. Now you may feel like you're forsaken because things haven't worked out the way you thought they should. And you found yourself in trouble and you didn't see it coming. But God is right there with you in that trouble. And, and as we saw in that earlier scripture, he will send to you a father's help when you cry out to him. My God, that's good. All right. Psalms 9, 9 and 10 in the message translation says, God's a safe house for the battered, a sanctuary during bad times. The moment you, rely, the moment you arrive, you relax and you're never sorry that you knocked on the door of the safe house. God's a safe house for the battered. Sometimes, man, life will just beat us up. It'll just beat you up. And you can't wait to get to the weekend just to, so you can just not be beat up all week. Or you've been beat up all weekend and you can't wait to get to Monday. You know, and, and in those times where you just get beat up left and right, troubles hitting you every side, every from every side, God can be a safe house. And he can be a sanctuary during bad times. What does that mean? That you can go in there, you can relax, you can, you can hear from him, you can, you can pour out your heart to him, right? Uh, the one scripture, I think it's Psalm 62, don't quote me on that, but he says, trust in the Lord at all times, pour out your heart before him. Power belongs to God, Right? Trust in the Lord and pour out your heart. Man, maybe you got to cry for an hour straight, but you can do that. I was in a situation and and I uh, was at a celebration of a marriage. And, and um, in the middle of the celebration, a huge wave of grief hit me because of failed relationships that I had had in the past. And that wave of grief hit me so bad, I had to go away on the other side of the compound where the marriage, where the wedding was taking place. I had to go as far away from people as possible. And literally, fam, I cried like a baby for at least 45 minutes. Uncontrollable. I couldn't stop it. But I was able to pour out my heart to God. And he was able to heal that wounded place. Right? Because I could trust him, I could go, I was battered at that time, and I could go to the safe house, and I could pour out my heart, and I could let God be a refuge for me during that time, and nobody knew what was going on except the people that I told about it later in, later in that, uh, later, later, because I was not going <laughs> to have a meltdown in the middle of a wedding um, reception. We're not doing that. That is not a good look on your boy, okay? But it, that thing hit me, and I had to deal with it, and I had to go to a place where I, I, I didn't have a prayer closet, okay? I didn't have a secret place. I just had to find a place as far away from people as possible and pour out my heart to God and let him heal that thing and help me get back to where I get back on my feet, all right? He will do it for you. He will do it for you. Go to the safe house and be safe in his house. All right. The Amplified Translation says, The Lord will also be a refuge and a high tower for the oppressed, a refuge and a stronghold in times of trouble. And they define trouble as high cost, destitution, and desperation. 
that God will be a stronghold in times of high cost, in times of destitution, and in times of desperation. Verse 10 in the Amplified says, And they who know your name, who have experience and acquaintance with your mercy, will lean on and confidently put their trust in you. For you, Lord, have not forsaken those who seek, inquire of, and for you on the authority of God's word and the right of their necessity. You have not forsaken those who seek you on the authority of God's word and on the right of their necessity. Because I know God, because I'm, I have experienced and I have acquaintance with his mercy, I'm going to lean on him and I'm going to confidently put my trust in him in times of high cost, in times of destitution, and in times of desperation. Because you have not forsaken those who seek you on the authority of your word and on and in the right of that necessity. Man, you just read that and preach it to yourself. I'm going to seek God. I'm going to lean on God. I'm going to put my trust in God. I don't know how I'm going to get out of this. I don't know how I'm going to avoid this. I don't know how I'm going to pay these bills now that they've laid me off. I don't know how long this virus thing is going to be here. But what I do know is I can lean on and trust in God right in the middle of this desperation. Right in the middle of this destitution. And listen, your crying doesn't mean you don't have faith. You're in a place of depression. You're, you being in a place of depression does not mean you don't have faith. Listen, if you got to cry and trust God, cry and trust God. Those tears are not going to last. Everybody knows that scripture in Psalms. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy will come in the morning. So get it out. Get, get those emotions out of your system and then trust God and get up and do what you got to do. He's going to show you the way. He's going to show you the path. It's one of my favorite scriptures. Um, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not into your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your path. One translation says he will make your path straight. So in, in a desperate time, I know emotions are high. It's happened to me many times. In a place of destitution, you're frustrated, you're scared, you're depressed. I get it. In those situations where you got a high cost situation and you don't know where the money's coming from, you don't know what the next move is going to be, you don't know. That's the time where you can go to him as a refuge and say, God, I don't, un I don't understand. I don't know what's going on, but I trust you. I don't know why I'm in this situation. I didn't do anything wrong, but I trust you. I, I, didn't, I, didn't, I, I don't know why they fired me and promoted the other person we had we were doing the exact same job i don't understand but i trust you i'm gonna lean on you you know we have this phrase now in our society lean into a thing well we're gonna lean into god during these times of trouble amen all right so let's look at one more translation this is verse 10 uh of i had technical difficulties just hit and trouble came and i had to let the lord be my refuge <laughs> one more translation of psalms 9 verse 10 in the passion translation he says may everyone who knows your mercy keep putting their trust in you for they can count on you for help no matter what 
Oh, Lord, you will never, no, never neglect those who come to you. The Lord will never, no, never neglect those who come to you. Now, here's the condition, fam. You got to come to him. You got to go to him for help. If help. If I have a friend of mine who's able to help me, and he's got all the resources, and he's told me, Cliff, anytime you need help, man, let me know. And I know he's a trustworthy person, or she's a trustworthy person, and I need them to help me, and I don't go to them for help, it's not their fault. They've told me, anytime you need me, I got you. And then I don't go to hell, well, no, Lord, God's not going to want to help me because I messed up last week. Or God's not going to want to help me because I ain't been to church in a month. Stop it. He is a father to his children. He is a good father to his, he's an awesome father to his children. And when you come to him for help, he will help you. Man, man, let's not let pride get in the way. Let's not let shame and guilt get in the way of coming to the Father for help. I need to figure this out on my own. I got in it on my own. I need to figure it out on my own. Stop it. Maybe you did make some bad choices. Maybe you did make some bad decisions. I'm not dismissing that. All I'm saying is the Father is available for help. And if you come to him for help, he will not neglect you. He will not turn you away. He will not turn you away. But you got to go to him for help. I'm going to read that again. May everyone who knows your mercy keep putting their trust in you. For they can count on you for help no matter what. Oh Lord, you will never, no never, neglect those who come to you. Selah. Let that thing marinate. Man alive, that's good stuff. All right, let me move on. Uh, Psalms 46 and 1. Very familiar passage of Scripture. Psalms 46 and 1 says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. There you go. It doesn't get any plainer than that. Right? The Passion Translation says, God, you're such a safe and powerful place to find refuge. You are a proven help in time of trouble. Check this out. More than enough and always available whenever I need you. God, you are a proven help in time of trouble. More than enough and always available whenever I need you. Boy, that'll preach right there, man. My goodness gracious of life. All right. Now, I said earlier that we don't have to trip in times of trouble because there's some good stuff in the middle of dealing with trouble. So let's look at something that I call joy. <laughs> Here's the dichotomy. Joy because of trouble. Joy because of trouble. And we're going to James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. Some of you guys are probably already ahead of me, right? You heard joy and trouble in the same sentence. You knew where I was going. Y'all just such good Bible scholars. I just appreciate you so much. <laughs> and those of you who didn't know where I was going, don't worry about it. That doesn't mean you're any less of a Christian than anybody else. So stop it. <laughs> All right. James 1, verses 2 through 4. Very familiar passage of Scripture to many of us. James 1, 2 through 4. Verse 2 says, My brethren... Count it all joy when you fall into various trials, 
knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Now, the New King James says that the testing of the faith produces patience. But, but what it does is that the translation really is about that the testing of my faith puts patience to work. All right? It doesn't create patience. Right? We know from Galatians, patience is one of the fruits, is the fruit is one of the fruits of the Spirit. All right? So by the Holy Spirit, we have patience in us. What trials do is move us to put patience to work. Employ patience in a time of testing. All right? Now, when we hear that word patience, we can also think that word endurance. That when we talk about patience, we're talking about endurance. And when we're talking about endurance, we're talking about being the same even in difficult situations. If I pray every morning when things are going great, I'm going to pray every morning when things are going terrible. If I lay on my face at 3 o'clock and that's my time of prayer when things are awesome, then every day at 3 o'clock if things are going crazy, I'm going to spend time in prayer. If I spend time giving to certain organizations when things are great, I'm going to do the same things when great things are not great. I'm going to be consistently, constantly the same. I'm going to endure by continually doing the same things that I've been doing, right? Um, in, in track and field, right, there, there's a, the aspect of endurance, right? Especially for long-distance runners, they have to endure. What that means where, where running is concerned is you have to maintain the same way of breathing. You have to maintain the same form of running. Your arms have to continue to move the same way even when fatigue kicks in, right? I, I know uh, when I was in high school, I used to hang out with the track guys. I didn't run track because that wasn't my ministry. Uh, <laughs> but the track guys, they run a, it was one lap. It was a 400-meter dash. And uh, you sprinted as hard as you could all the way around the track for one lap, right? And they say when you come off of that second turn coming into the home stretch, they talk about the gorilla that jumps on your back. It's extreme fatigue. And in that time of extreme fatigue, you have to maintain your stride. And you have to keep pushing through and endure the fatigue and stay strong all the way to the finish line. And when we talk about patience and endurance, what we're talking about is staying strong in the time of trial all the way through the finish line. And what we have to do is we have to employ patience. We have to employ endurance. We have to put to work that fruit of the Spirit that's already in us. See, and, it, and when things are great, we don't have to really employ patience because things are great. I don't have to do, endure anything. I'm having a great day. Everything is cool. It's when those days, are, you're having those days, and it's one of them days. A quick comparison. My sweetheart and I spent the day together yesterday. We had an awesome day. An awesome day. I didn't have to employ patience at all, right? But a week and a half ago, in the training session at work where everything was crazy and stuff was scrambled and things weren't going well and, and, and folk aren't, you know, people are stressed out, I had to employ patience. 
I had to employ patience so I wouldn't choke somebody. <laughs> okay? I had to employ patience because I was in a time of testing and trial. Okay? It was really stressful. It was really frustrating. And I had to keep my peace and employ patience and endure to the very end. And really simply for me, in that time, all it was really about was Cliff, just be quiet. Don't say anything. Don't say anything. Nobody's asking you for your opinion. Nobody's asking you to lead the training. Just sit there and be quiet and endure it and get through the day. Okay? And that's what patience is all about. It's about doing the things that you know to do as a godly person to get through the day. Sometimes it's just, I got to get through this hour. Sometimes I got to just get through these five minutes. If I just don't do anything for five minutes, I'm going to be all right. He says the trying of our faith, the, the trying of our faith creates or produces an opportunity to put patience to work. So he says, because this is an opportunity for patience, to, that, that patience muscle to be exercised, he said, look at those trials as joy. Because your muscles are being exercised. I, I, I get excited going to the gym. I love going to the gym. My gym is closed right now, so I got to work out at home. But I love working out. And it puts, I put pressure on my muscles. And even though I'm sore, or even though I'm tired, or even though, you know, I'm, I'm exhausted in the middle of the workout, it's joyful to me in the end because I know I'm developing my body and my muscles. I feel good. My heart rate is good. My blood pressure is good. And now I'm healthy. So though I'm going to have a grind in the gym, it's a joyful grind because I know that I'm developing some things in that time of pressure. And so James is saying, in that time of pressure, understand you're developing your patience. So you should look at it as a joyful grind. Now, that doesn't mean you're jumping around and shouting and being happy and spinning with a big old smile on your face. Maybe you are. But maybe it's just about, I know if I can just do this right, I'm going to get to the finish line. If I just keep my mouth shut, if I just do the thing that they're asking me to do and do it with excellence... I know they're doing me wrong. I know they're talking about me. I know they don't think that the project is going to turn out right at work. I know that they don't think that I'm going to be able to work from home. But if I can just do it with the right heart, with the right mindset, if I can just do it in excellence, if I can just love that person that's unlovely, if I can just put my patience to work, I'm going to develop something in me that I never thought I could develop before. Right. We have this phrase in society, mostly in church society, that trials come to make us strong. Right. Well, this is what he's talking about. Trials come to strengthen our endurance. Comes to strengthen our endurance. Right. So let me let me. So, so then in verse four, he says, let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete. Lacking nothing. Now, this word perfect doesn't mean flawless. It means fully developed or matured, right? When we allow patience to develop, when we allow that patience muscle to develop, right, that's its perfect work. I'm going to have an ability to endure things that I couldn't endure before. So now the next time something like that comes up, it ain't no big deal. 
because my patience muscle was working in a trial that I had to deal with two years ago or a trial that I had to deal with last week. I got a, I got a good friend of mine. Unfortunately, he grew up in a household where manipulation was the rule of the day, right? So now, and, and you know, he had to endure that. So now when people come to him and try to manipulate him, he can see it a mile away. He can see it a mile away because that muscle where manipulation, understanding manipulation was concerned, he had developed that muscle as a child, unfortunately. But now he can use it as a tool and a resource to understand when somebody's trying to manipulate him. And he can head that thing off and deal with it. No big deal. All right. All right. I want to I want to read this. I'm feeling like I need to. Uh, oh, we're coming to the end. Oh, cool. All right. Let's 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 get through this. Um, I'm going to read the James uh, chapter 1, verses 2 and 4 in the, uh, the, uh, the Passion Translation. He says, My fellow believers, when it seems as though you are facing nothing but difficulties, see it as an invaluable opportunity to experience the greatest joy that you can. For you know that when your faith is tested, it stirs up power within you to endure all things. That's what we're talking about, right? And then as your endurance grows even stronger, it will release perfection in every part of your being until there is nothing missing and nothing lacking. See, the end of the thing is what we got to look at. We don't want to keep looking at the middle of the thing. If we keep looking at the middle of the thing, you're not going, going to endure it. But we got to look at the end of the thing, the benefit that's going to come when you work through this thing. The scripture says in Hebrews that, that Jesus, when he was on the cross, uh, for the joy that was set before him, he was able to endure the cross, despising the shame. It was the joy that was set before him. What was the joy? That he knew at his sacrifice... The whole world now was going to have the opportunity to come into relationship with God through faith in him. So him knowing that the whole world was depending upon him, that God was depending upon him to stay on that cross so all of mankind could have relationship with him, that gave him joy. And it was that joy that allowed him to endure the cross, right? So, so we got to look at the end of the thing. And when we look at the end of the thing, there should be a certain level of joy that arises that moves me to keep going, to keep working out, to keep exercising that endurance muscle, to keep operating my patience muscle, to keep doing it and keep doing it and keep doing it because there's something great on the other side of it. There is a strength that I will have that I did not have before I went into this thing. So he says... Uh, as your endurance grows even stronger, it will release perfection in every part of your being until there is nothing missing and nothing lacking. If, if, if you tell me that on the other side of this trial, I'm going to be able to do amazing things, I'm going to be able to walk through fire and not be burned, if I go through this and I get, uh, I get to a place of glory or I get to a place of assignment that's bigger and greater than I ever could have imagined for myself, but I got to go through this trial and I see the, the exceeding glory on the other side of it, man, bring it on. 
bring it on. It's going to be hard. It's going to be tough. I may cry. I may get frustrated. I may go beat my couch up on a certain day, but I'm going to work through this thing. I'm going to endure it because something on the other side of it is going to put me in a place where I'm more mature than I've ever been before. I'm, I'm, I'm more complete than I've ever been before. And I'm able to handle situations and people and trouble better than I've ever been able to handle it before. Boy, that's good. Now, let's, let's, let's check out my man Paul because he had a model of exactly what we were talking about. Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 8 through 9. I think this is my last scripture. Yeah, it is. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Man, I'm fired up up in this piece. <laughs> Quarantine me if you want to. I'll do nine podcasts up in this joint. <laughs> All right, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 8 through 9. 2 Corinthians 4, verses 8 through 9. I call this Paul's model of endurance. How did Paul do it? What was his perspective on this, right? So 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 8 through 9. He says, we are hard pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. So, so he acknowledges the fact that we've been in trouble, man. Because, you know, he had people rolling with him, traveling with him. We, we've been hard-pressed on every side. But as hard-pressed as we were, we weren't crushed. We've been perplexed. Didn't know what in the world was going on. And though we've been perplexed, we were not in despair. Had situations where we were persecuted, but we were not forsaken because God was with us. Had situations where we were struck down. At one point in, in the book of Acts, he was in, in a ship and there was a shipwreck. And they were out at sea for two weeks, I believe it was. Struck down, but not destroyed. An angel came to him and said, nobody's going to die because of this shipwreck. And you're going to get to where you need to go. You're just going to have to ride this thing out and endure it. Right? There you go. I got to ride it out. I got to ride it out. That's, a, that's the word of the Lord for somebody right now. Where you are right now, yeah, it's tough. Yes, it's difficult. It's extremely stressful. But you know what? Ride it out. God is with you. So ride it out and get to the other side of it and walk in that thing on a whole nother level that you've never walked in before. Ride it out. Just ride it out. I know it's tough. Ride it out. Just like a storm, you just got to ride it out. All right? I want to look at this from the message translation and then the passage translation, and then we'll call it a day. The message translation for 2 Corinthians 4, verses 8 through 9, he says, We've been surrounded and battered by troubles, but we're not demoralized. We're not sure what to do, but we know that God knows what to do. We've been spiritually terrorized. But God hasn't left our side. See, that's the assurance, knowing that God is with you. And the scripture says, if God be for us, who can be against us? So whether you're surrounded and battered by troubles, whether you're not sure what to do, whether you've been spiritually terrorized, don't be demoralized. Know that God knows what to do and know that God has not left your side. The Passion Translation. Though we experience every kind of pressure, we're not crushed. 
At times, we don't know what to do, but quitting is not an option. We are persecuted by others, but God has not forsaken us. We may be knocked down, but not out. That's who we're supposed to be in the world right now. We're, we're not crushed. Quitting is not an option for the believer. God has not forsaken us. And we may be knocked down, but we're not out because God is with us. And we saw in the scripture in Psalms, he is the lifter of my head. So I may be down, but I'm going to go to God and let him lift my head and let him send the father's help to get me through this time, to get me through this trouble, this trouble, to get me through this struggle. Because trouble is inevitable, but God is greater than any trouble that we may deal with. That's a word, fam. That's a word. That's a word. That's a word. That's a word, man. I, whew, I could go another 45 minutes on that, but I'm not going to because that's all we have for today. <laughs> I trust and pray, man, that this has been a blessing to you. It was a blessing to me. And, uh, you know, the cook has to eat too. So, you know, as I'm feeding you, I'm feeding myself. And uh, God is just pouring into us and giving us a word for this time. Listen, man, it's going to be okay. It's going to be all right. You're going to be okay. You're going to get through it. You may have to come up with different strategies that you've ever that you've never had to come up with before. You may have to lean on people that you never thought you were going to have to lean on. You may have to pray in ways that you never prayed before. But if you do those things, if you go to the Father, He will bring help to you. If you let Him be your refuge, if you trust Him, if you look to Him for help, he will bring help to your way. Just like a helicopter coming to rescue somebody in a flood, he will come and rescue you. I believe the end of Psalms 91 says, he will rescue me and honor me and show me his great salvation. That's the God we serve. That's the God we're in relationship with. And that's the God we can trust when trouble comes to our house. That's it. I'm done. I'm out. I love you. I see you next time. Thanks for listening. God bless you. And continue listening to the Word Experience Podcast, where we experience the Word in a fresh new way. God bless you. Peace. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast and that what you heard will start you on a journey of change and transformation. If you'd like to communicate with Cliff with a question or a comment, you can do so via email at clifftalk 63 at gmail.com. That's clifftalks, the number 63, at gmail.com. And thank you for listening. God bless, and we'll see you next time on The Word Experience.